0: John Shepard, a good night all night. Dear yeah, Christ. Thank <laughs> you. please give me just a slight bit of that chamber i want to do a little practicing hello uh, one, two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way uh for those of you who wondered what all this is about this is uh, to security, in here. I, I read a uh, note in one of the sporting uh, goods uh, catalogs that they have released now for real sports fans. You know that you can buy a blue horn. And uh, it has, it's it totally transistorized it has uh, it has a built-in electronic echo chamber. Yes. And, I might add, it hits peak of 75 watts of audio. My god almighty. Let's give it a turn. <laughs> brack, brack, boy. Brack, boy. That's exciting! I tell you, that's that's going to. I, I would say this is going to revolutionize sports in Philadelphia. And as you probably know, the uh, national song, or at least the city song of the Philadelphians, consists of a blue ballad, and they they uh, they just do everything. I, I was talking to Sam Lomax, our sports director here in Sam says, You know, there's an absolute fact that in the Philadelphia they do funerals. And uh, I wouldn't doubt... <laughs> I don't doubt that at all. So I like the idea of a, of a transistorized bullhorn. You notice it's not a tear horn? Oh no, it's a bullhorn. And you can buy them in about nine decorator shades. All designed to match the uh, effect that it's supposed to have. So, because a lot of places don't let like you, you don't like to bring them in, see. So one is designed to look like a cushion. Another one uh, looks like your lunch. Another one looks like uh, a doctor's medical kit. You could take your doctor. And uh, they're all cleverly disguised, but when you turn the switches on, man, they all do one thing. (coughs) (coughs) 75 watts of audio with an implied echo chamber. That's going to be really something. (laughs) Tell you the thing with a pistol grip. What a great gift for your, for your friend and relative who is a sports fan and a good sport all the way. And uh, by the way, do you mind if I if I take a little time out here to speak and practice some boing? I take a little time out here and uh, do a little practice in here. I have to get into shape here because I'm about to cut a record. Let's hear it, Practice. Can I have him stand with a second please? I'm just doing this for practice know, mind Yes, that's kind of Well, I think, because after all, a good blue bird. You know, I understand that some of the really good ones, and in fact, I, I lived one time, uh, briefly, in the uh, city of brotherly love. <laughs> that's probably kind of the worst named city in the history of man. <laughs> city of brotherly love. But uh, I... Uh, lived briefly there in that uh, magnificent city, on that river there that slides along through Fairmont Park, and uh, I had a guy who lived above me who was a Philly fan. And you know, the thing I used to like about him is that early in the spring, I could always tell, if the weather was beginning to break, because upstairs I would hear him practicing doing. Uh, he would start uh, late in February. The do training of course he grew just that the fellows you know taken off of the training camp and he knew what was gonna happen that year. So he practiced his boo. Because you know, it takes a lot of uh, it takes a lot of involvement. Kind of, uh, Turn your old diaphragm and shape, you know, your throat and the whole bit, the neck muscles, there it is. And uh, I used to see uh, really good bluebirds out of the Philadelphia ballpark and you can always come because they got these real thick necks. Their necks come right down from the ears the joints, you know, joints, their shoulders, the big thick cords, you know, and their, their face was permanently red uh, because there's a certain amount of high blood pressure and tension which goes into a really good boy. <laughs> Did you ever think you sweating, you guys? And I, I don't want to... I hope the guy who's, uh, who I was about to describe is not listening, but none of One of the most insane things to ever happen to me at a sporting event happened in philadelphia and i was just a witness to it and sort of a participant, but just a witness to it it was a fantastic thing happened and it was at franklin field you know you know franklin field the famous field in philadelphia and it was it was a traditional game every year the university of pennsylvania Plays music. At least uh, I don't know what year but they were playing. Maybe this year. I think they did. It's a, it's a kind of a traditional game thing. Well, I, I was uh, I was involved uh, with this radio station thing, uh, and they had made some kind of a there. You, you guys, you guys always want to hear stories about what really happens in radio, and well, I'm going to tell you one right now. But this radio station, big powerful station, you know, and they had connections all over the place. And they somehow had gotten a hold of a block of tickets to this game, the navy 10 game. Well, now those tickets are hard to get, especially since in those days Navy had a really good football team. instead of Ken, not not only was it a traditional game, it was really a good game. You know, Navy was a big powerhouse, and 10 uh, was a powerhouse in the in the, uh, in the Ivy League. In fact, even I think we're almost nationally rated at that time. And maybe was was nationally ready. So this year, you know, everybody tried trying to get tickets this year. <laughs> Tremendous uproar about getting tickets. And the station told the crew We got tickets. Well, uh, the tickets, uh, I don't know how many they had, but they had enough tickets to have a people. Yeah, and, and that's right. They, they had a busload of people. Look at the bus. They rented a city bus, and they took... The staff. You see, they wanted to. they wanted to have the staff they, they, when I say staff, I'm talking about the talent staff and the people we did shows, Matt. And a few of the top salesmen and real official types. And they were going to be the hosts to this group of very elegant time buyers from these big these big advertising agencies <laughs> and uh, you know, all these guys, you know, these are real freebie types, but there they are, you know. all all elegantly dressed in their Chesterfields and stuff, and, and uh, they had come down to see the big game. Well, prior to the game, and this is where the mistakes began to multiply, the game was at 2 o'clock, an afternoon game, thing. Well, prior to the game, they had a very elegant brunch, which was served at a big hotel in Philadelphia and they had deviled eggs and they had all kinds of stuff all laid out and all of us were all, all dressed up we were we were told to be on our absolute best behavior absolutely the best behavior we're supposed to be on and so there i am you know i'm wearing a tie i i, I wear ties about three times a year and see and when i when i do that's an occasion so i had on my tie and i had on my suit and uh, and all the other guys the staff was there all these guys guys that did radio shows we're all on our best behavior the manager of the station is there who was a very, very, uh, remote figure. The manager of our station was so remote that he was almost like, uh, Godot. I mean, people would, there were rumors that he was making a decision or that he was, you know, and, uh, he had intermediaries. We, you never got a direct memo from him. He was so far removed and so official. He lived in an ivory, t- actually ivory. They had ivory imported from India to make his towers, say, so he lived in this ivory tower, which was cork lined like Marcel Proust, where he could his great massive brain could uh, could work out strategy. for a station, see? <laughs> So uh, you never got an actual memo from him. It, it all he had a whole series of intermediaries, and you knew the seriousness of the memo because they had different colors for what echelon you received it from. Oh yes, all the way to. That. And uh, his his memos, it just didn't exist. Uh, he never, he never directly gave out a memo. It's like uh, the Pope never directly hands out a memo. He works through the cardinals and all the way down through the bishops and stuff. See, so uh, he he was actually there. This 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 is, gives you an idea of the importance of the situation. He was there and in the flesh. Well, this surprised a lot of people because there had been rumors that there never actually was a general manager. That it was just a you know, a figurehead uh, that was employed by the by the corporation that owned the station and was used just to, to cow us. Uh, that there was no actual man. And there he was. He was sitting up there. And it was amazing. And he was an ordinary looking man. At, you know, two feet, just like anybody else, you know. And, and he had ears and everything there. And there he's sitting up there. And he's up in the front of the, of the bus. And uh, before we go in there, speaking to the ad department. When you ask tough questions... You better have the answers, and we do. Example, the beer you drink. Do you really like its flavor, or do you drink it out of habit? Do you know there's one absolutely great tasting beer? Do you know it's Valentine? Why don't you try a Ballantine beer tonight? Who do we think we are asking these tough questions? The people with the answer, the only answer, Valentine. Oh, yeah, brewed by the, uh, let's see, who did brew that? Uh, Oh, yes, the P. Valentine Brewing Company of Cranston, Rhode Island. I knew you were wondering about that. And, uh, say, for those of you that have been out there standing on one foot waiting for the other one to drop, it's America's super auto show now is in town, the greater New York automobile show at the New York Coliseum, the world premiere showing of all the new U.S. 74s, And also a lot of the imports, too. Antiques, special cars, the whole works, you know. At the Greater New York Automobile Show at the New York Coliseum. It's now all, only, at the Greater New York Automobile Show. All that stuff. Antique cars, the whole works there. And uh, it's, uh, let's see, when is it going to be? It's a super show, according to this copy, at the New York Coliseum. And it opens Saturday. This coming Saturday. Uh, this is Wor friends, and uh, you don't have to guess where we are. <laughs> uh, this is the big time here. This uh, is the Big Apple. This is a uh, fun city. It's Mayor uh, Lindsay's big old playpen here, and we're here and right in the middle of it here, squatting in the sand. Da da dee dee. La, da, ding, ding, ding. Oh, you want to hear the rest of that story? Oh, I'm I'm a little worried about telling you the rest of that story because it's a, you know, it's a, even at this day I get a little nervous about it because it, uh, it, uh, it was it was one of the worst things that I've ever actually been one of the most totally embarrassing moments I've ever been. It wasn't a moment; it was a whole thing, you know, more than a moment. And so we got on the bus after this uh, after this brunch. Now, if you know anything about advertising and advertisers and about the world of showbiz, you know that they did not serve wild strawberry diet yoo-hoo with the brunch. Right? Okay. Let's put it this way. Potables and various libations flowed like water down the Nile in the spring flood season. And uh, yeah, they they did it all. I'll tell you, they did it right. In fact, uh, before the, the the lunch, the brunch there, they served uh, they served elegant champagne, and they served champagne cocktails. And they came out of because of it was kind of a camp luncheon. See, they were they were trying to make it seem like you know everybody's going to go to this college uh, football game, and it was kind of fun. They had a couple of waiters, by the way, sure sure you give you an idea of how it. Uh, how the uh, the thrust of the thing took shape. The waiters who were catering this thing in the hotel were wearing raccoon coats, and uh, yeah, they had they had on straw hats, and they were <laughs> you know well it was you know it was all supposed to be uh, kind of a thing about college weekend all that jazz. See? so they had these raccoon coats, and and uh, and uh, also they had they had a trio that performed, and they stood over in the corner, and they were wearing blazers, striped blazers. And one guy had a ukulele, another guy had a banjo. Uh, yeah, that's right. And the third guy sang songs through a megaphone. And he sang things like, give, give me a little of that. That was one of the tunes they sang, you know. It's just, oh, Hindu, Hindu, yeah. <laughs> uh, here we are. We're all sitting around drinking these uh, champagne cocktails. And this guy sang in a high... <laughs> Yeah, Hindu stand with a purple patch of pulses, purple sand. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. They're singing Hindustan and the Sheik of Araby and all. And they're plunking away on their ukuleles and stuff. And uh, they sang stuff like Betty Coet, his lips are red for Harvard. (laughs) Well, they really went out. I'm not kidding you. It was one of those big things that the radio station was really, it was was the big promotion of the year, you know. After all, uh, it's not easy to get uh, seats to the Penn Navy game. And they had a whole busload of them, they must have had 55 seats or something, all in one big block, see. Well, okay, you ready for what happened? So we're, you know, we're sloshing down the, uh, the champagne cocktails, and then they loaded us out of the hotel, it's colder than, uh, well, a well digger's posterior, let's put it that way. Uh, what is it? Isn't that what the well digger gets very cold all the time? That's not exactly the way it's set out on Route 3, but nevertheless, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, <laughs> cold, man. And uh, so we go down to the lobby, the hotel, and everybody's feeling very jovial now. You know, they've, they've had the, the, the uh, sliced turkey and the caviar, and everybody's feeling very expansive, and some guys are even beginning to, to, to uh, try tentative conversations with the manager of the radio station, who, as I pointed out, was just a little bit less remote than Mohammed. He, uh... <laughs> and he was beginning to to show that he recognized our existence. Uh, yes, that that was important enough, see, because once in a while he would look around and say, uh, uh, everything all right, fellows? You know, that kind of thing. And, of course, all all the yard birds are truckling and, and, uh, and squirming and writhing on the floor in front of him and all that stuff, see. Well, we got loaded into this bus and on the side of the bus, they had a great big banner. And, of course, it said, uh, the big banner on one side, it said, Yay, Penn! Beat Navy! And big exclamation points all over the side. And on the other side of the bus, it said, Yay, Navy! Beat Pen." See, so it was a totally, uh, very, very non-controversial uh, station. It was, in fact, very neutral. So uh, <laughs> we, we, we drove... Out into the streets of Philadelphia. You say. <laughs> well, here we are, all sitting in this damn bus. Well, now to get to this place, we had to go through some very, very tough neighborhoods, and they made it. They made another classical mistake, which many people do when they're making a promotion. They 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 served libations aboard the bus. So two of the uh, two of the salesmen were designated as a, you know they were called a. Uh, yeah, they were called bartenders, and they had these bartenders. That, you know, have you ever seen these uh, so-called humorous bartender uh, uh, aprons? You know, that kind of shows a drunk hanging out of a lamppost and all that. So he's wearing these aprons, two guys, and the bus is, is hot. They get the heater on of the bus, and all the windows are sort of frosting up, and, and uh, they're walking up and down the bus, and they have two things they're serving. They're serving champagne and for some reason which I have never yet quite figured out why, couvoisier. Now couvoisier while an elegant drink, and it is a very elegant drink, has roughly the potency of a mule, a mule with an impacted wisdom teeth. Two wisdom teeth impacted and badly, badly suffering. It is a tough, tough drink. Well, so they're going around, and they gave all of us as a, 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 it was a souvenir, see, they gave us. They gave us as a souvenir, and this, this, it began to go downhill at this point. We're drinking the stuff, and as we're driving through these bad neighborhoods, you hear people, they're looking on either side of the bus, say, well, on one side of the bus, it says Beat Penn. Well, you don't drive through certain neighborhoods of Pennsylvania with a sign that says Beat Penn. Well, and, and we didn't know why the people were yelling. See, we didn't even think about the signs of the bus. And guys are throwing, I remember, tin cans are bouncing off the top of the bus. See, people all, oh, boo! Oh, boo, boo, you boo, boo, boo. They're running down the street after. us. See, we're driving along. We're breaking away there. And, of course, by this time, most of the people didn't care much in the bus, you know, whether they booed or not, you know. I had a vague feeling I was in a tumbrel. You know, it was, uh, you know, the French Revolution. And so we're riding along through the streets of Philadelphia, and the people are cheering and yelling. And up in the front, the, the uh, manager of the radio station, he's, uh, he's drinking elegant uh, champagne out of a, out of a cut crystal, crystal goblet, and we're all driving. And, and the various ad agencies, you could tell the rank of the ad agency guys by how close to the front of the bus they sat, or conversely, how far they sat to the rear. Well, here I am way back with a bunch of guys bunch of the boys who did shows there. And, and then way in the end, there are a bunch of ad men, you know, who are way down the totem pole, and we're drinking it up and hollering and eating cheese sandwiches. They serve as little sandwiches cut in the shapes of clubs, hearts, and diamonds. You know, have you ever had sandwiches served to you that way, clubs, hearts? Well, that that shows you're in an elegant gathering when they cut sandwiches in that shape. Those are called or d'oeuvres. So... Uh, We're drinking the stuff. We finally get to the ballpark. Now, there's a million people. Five. Oh, fantastic crowd. And it's a, you know, it's a regular traditional oval. You've seen pictures of Franklin Field, and it's got a brick outside and all. So we pull up, and they they had made arrangements. Apparently, the station really threw its weight around. They made arrangements for for the bus to pull right up to one of the entrances. And, of course, there's 28 million people all in line trying to wait to get in. You know, they got their seats. Well, this bus pulls up, and we get out. And, uh, again, uh, whatever arrangements they made, man, they greased the skids. All I, all I got to say is that they just, everybody else, they stopped all the all the yard birds, see. <laughs> well, of course, if you know anything about Philadelphia sport fans, this went over like a Led Zeppelin, believe me. It was about as funny as a rubber crutch to them, see. And here they are standing in the cold at like 20 below zero and the wind is blowing They've been waiting for an hour and a half to get in, and this bunch of drunken clods pull up on a bus, and they're taking them right in, you know? And so they start, boom! Boo! Pull you away! What the hell is this? And they're yelling, guys are throwing rocks at us, and, uh, you know, a couple of guys threw beer cans over at us, you know? And we're escorted right in. Of course, at that point, this did not seem yet particularly important. I might point out that uh, most of us know in our lives the disaster often approaches on cats' feet. It does not come thundering out of the West, you know, riding wings of bombers, if they usually come sneaking up on it. And at first, what appears to be, well, what actually is an impending disaster usually appears to be just a series of little trivialities. In other words, there's an old slogan in flying that says that all accidents are a train of events which begins with something very inconsequential, like a little squeak somewhere, (laughs) which you just think are your new shoes. Actually, it's one of the brackets breaking off, which is going to eventually cause one of the engines to fall off, which is going to rip a wing off, and, oh, you know, it goes on and on. So, by this time, you know, the guys are getting, you know, they're getting, it's getting to be a neat, concise little group. And uh, there's a, some some back-slapping has already begun, you know, hey, oh, hey come off a crisis. You know, hitting and yelling. Well, we finally get escorted to our seats. Well, where are we sitting? If you were to pick the best seats you could find in a football stadium, you couldn't get better seats than the ones we had. We were right down near the field, but not too near. If you were right down on the field, you know, you can't see anything. We're, we're up about 20 feet when we're we're roughly at about the, I'd say about the 40-yard line, and all of us are sitting in this group, all in one little tightly knit group, and up up behind us, you know, are some other affluent fans who could get down on that kind of a seat, and directly, right where I'm sitting, are the middies. Well, as you know, if you've ever seen uh, a a Navy football game, all the Navy... uh, the Navy cadets, I guess they, are they plebes or cadets? Which are they called from the Navy? Well, you know, the Navy, middies. Yeah, they're middies. All these midshipmen, see, are sitting right, in fact, one of them sitting right to my, right, see, the entire block, and they sit in a block, and they have a cheering section, you know? And they all sat there, and they, they were wearing, they were wearing their uh, their winter cape, you had know, these cape, and they had the big white hat and all that, and the cold out and they're all there in their dark navy blue look great see all lined up all next to us you know the whole whatever it is the contingent they bring down but look like the whole school must have been thousands of them they're all lined up there with their white hats and all sitting there and just before the game they had this big ceremony they marched out they marched across the field and the band is playing anchors away and uh, they come marching up They made a formation, they came up, they sat down next to us. Okay, now you got the scene. Well, one thing had happened, which later proved to be of transcendental significance. As we got off the bus, the station, in its infinite wisdom, had decided to make this a a kind of a souvenir day. This was a big day for all of us, right? I mean, you know, the kind of a big thing so the station as each of us got off the bus every man Jack including all the salesmen including all the guys that did radio shows and probably even the manager of the station was handed a souvenir. what was the souvenir? well it was a beautiful souvenir as a matter of fact in fact I still own it. Really, one of the best souvenirs I've ever been given of anything. You ready for it? It was a pigskin case with your name on it, the date, and it said Navy Pen Game, and the call letters of the radio station involved. And it was embossed in gold leaf. In fact, it was so elegant that it was purchased from Mark Cross. So this is a really good gift. (laughs) And what was in the pigskin case? A curved German silver flask with a screw top you know, what is it? A flask, don't you? And incidentally, the flask also was engraved with your name and the station's call letters and the date of this this uh, great event. Now, in itself, that was rather harmless, right? Except that each flask was filled with couvoisier. These were one-pint flasks, not half-pint one-pint flasks. Well, we charged out into the cold and up into the... (laughs) I don't have to tell you what happened, but (laughs) you're you're not quite right because what actually happened far transcended what you think happened. (laughs) We got out... We got out into into the seats now and everybody's got his beautiful flask. And of course, this was a total surprise. They, uh, one thing I must say for the station, they did not uh, telegraph it. It was a complete surprise. Everybody was really gassed, you know, because you're used to going to a thing, and if you get a, a if you get a, uh, a souvenir, it turns out to be some kind of a little cockamamie uh, plastic pin with your name on it or something like that. But this was a real souvenir. These things must have run maybe twenty-five, thirty, forty, fifty bucks per shot. You know, they were lovely things. Pigskin flask, and uh, what what was interesting is the flask. the The pigskin was a was a dark. Uh, it was a stained dark, beautiful pigskin, and the the case itself was was curved, and it was lined with this kind of dark red velvet. Beautiful flask, and you pull it out. Seeing so you know, the the top had a little silver top, little little shot glass actually. You screw the thing out and you open it up there, and it's it's lined with glass. Just beautiful little thing, and uh, at first, nobody really realized that it was filled with couvoisier when we first got him, because everybody got this thing, and, you know, they were all cheering, and the main, in the meantime, we were all moving into the stadium, so everybody looked at this thing. Well, we got up under the seats now, and out on the field, the middies are making their final formation, and the band is playing, you know, they always play, and they feel the dressy, public address announcers always always at all these games is always saying and now ladies and gentlemen the traditional marching song of the midshipmen from the Annapolis Academy and now we'll perform Anchors Away and of course then they play it and uh, everybody marches around these guys make a formation they make a big anchor or something out there and the flags are flying and the guys all come charging up to the seats and now they're all sitting next to us wearing their white hats well, it was just about that time that I'm looking at my flask. Sam said, gee, boy, got groovy loot here today, see? And I open the thing up, and I'm looking at it. I'm just examining it, and it's heavy. It's filled. It's like, so I unscrew the top, and I take one sniff. Whew. Wow. I mean, this is the real stuff, man. And, uh, you know, cuirassier at the football game. So I take a little sip of it to see, you know, what it is. Really make sure it. hmm, it's the real thing. See, so I, mm. boy, that's good, you know. The, the brandy of Napoleon, no less. <laughs> you know? whoa, 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 this is the way to go to a football game. So I put the top back on and very carefully stick it back in my coat, say, I don't want to lose this thing. Well, sitting directly next to me, and now the thought flickens, friends, sitting directly next to me was a very, very distinguished, elegant man who was our leading commentator and newscaster? Who had sort of uh, uh, salt and pepper, sprinkled gray hair, very elegant guy, and, and a terrific guy, very, very dignified, nice man. And he also had nine kids. I remember that was another one of his attributes. But he's a very nice, elegant, distinguished man, and uh, quite well known in Philadelphia circles. And, uh, you know, the kind that kind of comes on. And now the news. And here is my commentary, you know, that kind of thing. Well, here I'm sitting next to him, see, I'm, you know, I'm me, see, and as you probably know, my uh, shows uh, may not lack in many of those things, but they certainly do lack in dignity, right? (laughs) I mean, I've never been noted for my dignity, so I'm sitting there, and he somehow got put next to me, and I, 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 I always liked him, see, but he was kind of a remote figure. He came out of the newsroom once in a while, made a pronouncement or denounced somebody or... You know, he always officially, an editorial, we view we with alarm the current move on the part of the government, that kind of thing. So he's sitting there next to me, and he's got a dark blue coat. I remember that very well. It's a dark blue coat, and uh, it's almost navy blue. It's a dark blue, like a cashmere overcoat. And he always dressed uh, kind of uh, natty, and at the same time uh, very conservative. He had a white, white shirt, and he had this Poulard tie, and a dark blue suit. Got the picture? And of course, I'm wearing my Robert Hall special. You know, the one that's made out of Reynolds wrap, see? So I'm sitting there next to him. And uh, in the meantime, the ball game is about ready to begin. And so out on the field, the Navy team, the Navy captain, he's out there, and he's right opposite us. He's so close to the uh, best football seats I've ever had outside of playing in the game. And by the way, playing in the game, you don't see much of the game. I can tell you that. Believe it or not, you know when you when you're playing in a game, you don't see much of the game. But the whole play may be off to your left, and you're down on the ground, you know, looking at the blades of grass, and you don't see a damn thing. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, I'm sitting there watching them toss. They're going to make get ready for the toss. And uh, the navy the navy uh, captain is out there with a couple of his uh, aides. This is the, the the quarterback or whatever he was. And a very exciting moment. The place is absolutely jam-packed. There are 20 million people, say. Jam-packed. Well, now, the radio station had done another dumb thing. Why it did it, I don't know. It got a banner someplace. And sticking out at our little knot of, of people, all of us sitting there on the 40-yard line, right in full view of God and the rest of the world, they had this banner with the call letters of the station on it. Stuck right up, you know, like, this is us. Here we are, see? They're not missing anything. If they could have bribed the band to go out in the halftime and form the letters of our station, they would have done it, you know, instead of Navy or Penn. So we're waiting for the game to start. And uh, everybody's all excited. You can hear the crowd. And uh, suddenly the the, the meeting's next to us just before the kickoff, just, just when they're tossing the coin up in the air. The Navy start a locomotive. You see, they, you know that locomotive that go. N a n a v a v v n a v n a v n a v Navy. Cheer like that, A big Navy cheer, and it just rocked over us because they were all sitting right to our right. I mean, there were 400 guys doing this fantastic locomotive, and down in front of them were the two Navy cheerleaders—or maybe three. Now they, they they don't have girls. They had these white slacks and navy, dark blue Navy sweaters with a big N, this big Navy N, and they—they uh, they had no hats, and they all had these little bullhorns or whatever they was they were wearing, you know, working with. And it was a very Marshall-type cheer. It was not uh, like uh, Michigan with the pom-pom girls and stuff. So we're watching all this going on. See, these kids are yelling This, You know, they're yelling. And then at the last instant when they holler, you know, the, the last one they holler, Navy! Yay! They take our hats, see, and they wave their hats in the air. 5,000 hats are gone, see. Well, it's a very exciting moment. And at that point, the uh, the field announcer on the PA system says, uh, there goes the toss. The Navy captain uh, tosses the coin, and it is uh, it is Penn's ball. Penn has elected to receive. Navy will kick off from the south. Uh, they will move from south to north. Penn has taken the north uh, goal line, and they will receive. Well, we waited. See, the Navy guy teased the ball up out there. And you know that exciting moment. I mean, there's no, there's no more exciting moment in sports than a kickoff. And uh, I, I think the only other exciting moment that really... There's a couple of exciting moments in sports. Every sport has its own particular moment of, of tremendous excitement. And in a football game, I, I think nothing quite comes close to that moment of the kickoff. Uh, a kickoff, when those when the offensive team comes charging down, you know, and that kicker moves in on that ball and you see all those receivers circling down under there and moving together to form that interference wedge, you know. That's a, that's a fantastic moment. In baseball, there's, there's a couple of groovy great moments, you know, where the bases filled and, uh, man, the <laughs> eighth inning, you know, and this guy this guy lays a drag bunt down the third baseline. Man, that is really something. So, uh, nevertheless, here we are waiting for that moment and the, the navy, the navy kicker moves up on the ball. I, I still see him sometimes. You know, when I think of great moments in sport, his head is real low. He's got this helmet down low, and he moves up. And this guy was a was a kicker who kicked from the crouch for some reason or other. He was, he's one of those. You know, he moves up, he kicks, and boom. he kicks that ball up there. You, know, you just hear that ball boom. It's a high end over end kick, and I'm looking up at that ball, seeing it just going end over end over end down, down about the five yard line. The pen. The uh, pin receiver grabbed that ball on the five. Remember, it's icy cold, and he starts moving up. And he cuts across field. He's coming directly at us. See, we're sitting right on the right on the sidelines. He come directly at us, and you see those navy tacklers slanting down, pinning them in. And bam, they hit him on about the 30-yard line, just to our left. See, and they go piling out of bounds. And that that uh, you can just you can hear the sound of these guys hitting the turf, and this navy ball here sliding into the out of bounds. You know. And, Kicks up the, he kicks up the white chalk lines, and then they get up, and the, the crowd is just you know vibrant. And you can see all these guys to our right, the Navy, the Navy midshipmen are, are really you know leaning forward, and they got their coats all all uh, up around their neck. Well, then, this guy next to me, it starts. I see a couple of the guys down in our crowd. See, this you know not everybody's interested in football, see. And uh, they're interested in being there, but they're not all interested in football. So I see him take his flask out, so he says, "Hey, you know, look at hey, did you take a look at this flask?" We go. Remember, he's an official newsman. Did you look at this? Uh, this is elegant. This is, uh, of course, this is Mark Cross. Elegant, uh, very good. The station certainly uh, is uh, doing it upright this day, aren't they? <laughs> it certainly is. So he opened up the thing, and hmm. well, by George, that's Cahuasier. And I said, "Yeah, it sure is." And so I'm watching the football game. They line up, and uh, the first play from scrimmage. And they be charges in there. You know, they have two yards. They take carry the ball off tackle. They slant in. And uh, the guy next to me, he takes a long sip of his courvoisier. Mm. Say, this is fine. It certainly warms you up on a day like this. Station really had a good idea here. Certainly did. By George. Yes, it did. Well, the game progressed. Now it is midway in the second quarter. And believe it or not, it was a zero-to-zero tie, and everything has been played now between the 30-yard lines. It is a brilliant ball game, particularly brilliant on defense. Some beautiful defensive plays are going on out there. And all the while, it's getting colder. Temperature now has dropped, oh, it's now about 10 degrees, and the wind is blowing. And it's getting colder. You can feel snow in the air. Suddenly, without any warning, halfway between, I would say, between quite possibly with five minutes to go in the second quarter, just before the halftime, this guy next to me, who's been saying nothing up to this point... All of a sudden, he jumps up out of his seat, and all the people are sitting down there. The station manager's looking very elegant, and he's trying to make time, you know, trying to explain our whole new uh, concept of programming to the uh, vice president of BBDNO, which is sitting down there with him. Suddenly, this guy jumps up to his feet, this elegant man, and he hollers, Go, Navy! Go! Come on, you bums! Get going there! Hey, you guys! But then he turns to all the minis, and he addresses the midshipmen. He turns to him and says, Hey, you guys! I'm an ex-lieutenant commander in the Navy! Now, come on, let's get this ball club going! Get off your dumps. Come on, you guys, get moving! Well, the midshipmen, who are all kind of elegant anyway, look, you see, and a couple of them got into the spirit of the thing and they saw that he had a snootful full of couvoisier, and he was really on his, you know, he was sitting on his behind. One guy throws a hat over to him and he's got now one of the white navy hats and he starts waving it in the air, see? Well, with that, the station manager turns and looks back and just as he does, so, this guy takes a header. He goes down 20 seats. I never saw anybody end over end like a bowling pin. He just goes down, bouncing over people. And now he's out on the sidelines. truckard <laughs> <laughs> and a skunk. And he's running up and down the sidelines, waving his white hat. His tie now is off off to one side. He's hollering, come on, Navy. Beat these bombs on a bit of Navy bombs! Where you guys going to put the bombs? And a play comes charging over towards us. What do you think this guy does? About five Navy guys are chasing a Pennsylvania runner, and he charges out on the field. He you come on, you buck. Get in there give it to him. And crash. Down he goes with his coat flying. You can see his, his flask go up in the air, turning end over end. The crowd is cheering. Five policemen come charging down, and they drag him off the field. He's wearing his Navy hat out sideways, and then he starts to throw up. Oh, my God. And everybody in the crowd recognized him. He's a famous newscaster who also does television commentaries. Drunkard and a skunk, and the Navy guys start cheering him as he leaves. And it was that moment that I realized that I was part of a historical thing. By the way, that was the last day he worked in Philadelphia, in case you're curious. This man is now working out on the West Coast quite successfully and attempting to hide and uh, forget his past career as a Navy cheerleader. Well, they dragged him to the sidelines, and it was then that he pulled his biggest coup of the day. Three cops have got him, when suddenly he straightened up, and I've never seen anything like it. He laid these three cops out as cold as cucumbers in one fantastic flurry of action. He goes, Wham! Bam! Crack! Suck! Pow! These guys are flying! The crowd is cheering! It wasn't until later that I I found out that he had been a high-level karate instructor in the Navy and, in fact, as a lieutenant commander, had headed an entire defense school. (laughs) All I have to say is that there was a strange fall that fell over our little group. I don't think we sold many spots that day.